continuing our Amen sermon series. We are on week four of eight weeks in total that we will be covering the book of the Gospel of John. And we're looking at the different topics of where John spoke about and talked about that where Jesus, he quoted Jesus in saying, verily, verily, or truly, truly, or listen up, basically, is what he, he was saying, that Jesus was saying to his disciples. And if Jesus wanted his disciples to listen, he wants us to listen. Amen? If he needed them to listen what he was saying and pay attention to what he was saying, he's asking us in our life to slow down for a moment and listen. And I love that, that the writer that helps aid us with some of these sermon series talks about that in the uh, old times, uh, you know, back in the King James Version, you'll see a truly, truly, or verily, verily. And he says that the word was kind of like the hear ye, hear ye. And as I go back, and I love history, and you can even in early uh, 19th century in America, where the early 1900s, that the newspaper salesmen would, they would be out on the street corners, Ernie, and they would be hollering, hear ye, hear ye, and they, they would be hollering, you know, and, and trying to sell their newspapers and trying to get people to listen to what was going on to the current situation that was happening. And there is uh, moments in our life where that it is, uh, there's intenseness with God where that he is intentional about uh, getting us to listen. Some people's not very good listeners. Look at your neighbor and say, are you listening? <laughs> Some people's not very good listeners. Some people's better talkers. Amen? Or, oh, me, one or the other. Uh, I heard a guy say one time on a job that, do you know, that there's people that like to talk until they would think of something to say. I've been around those type of people that they just talk and talk and talk. It bothers me sometimes when I'm around those type of people. So I'm that point right now in this sermon series where that I'm thinking God wants to say something to us. I'm glad that God takes us on these journeys through the sermon series so that we can see that there's a pattern, that there's seasons of life. And God's got us in this season right now where he's wanting us to say the name of this sermon series is what? That wasn't very convincing. He's wanting us to say, that was still half-hearted. He's wanting us to say, that was three-quarters of the way. But one more time, the loudest you got. He's wanting us to say, Amen. You're want, he's wanting you to say amen to his word. He's wanting you to say amen to his son, Jesus, and what Jesus had to say. So as we read this week, I want us to go to John chapter 6. We're just going to skip through a few verses here because John chapter 6 is really long, and we just want to look at a few of those. So we're going to look at verse what is it, 26, um, 32, 47, 53. So 26 says this, Jesus replied, you can stay seated because we're not really reading this story, it's going to be okay. Verse 26, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. <laughs> you want to be with me because I fed you. Some people come to Jesus so that he can feed them. And he can create them a better life, a more satisfying life here on this earth. 
But Jesus' purpose for coming to earth was for so much more than to just give us pleasure here on this earth. These worldly things that we desire, and it's in our human nature to desire those worldly things, that the enemy of our souls wants us to desire worldly things. One of the first verses that I learned early on was, you know, what shall a man gain if he would gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mark 8, 36, I believe, where that's quoted from. And Jesus was teaching, what's a man going to gain if he gains the whole world yet loses his own soul? Jesus was intentional about this, and he, he, he did feed people because when he was up on the hillside here the day before, he, he had them up on the hillside. Everybody started getting hungry. Has anybody ever been hungry? Is anybody's belly feeling like mine is right now? I ain't ate since I ate pizza yesterday down at Nat Nat's party. Well, that was this morning. Not like food. Pop-Tarts ain't food. I usually eat my Pop-Tarts every morning. But by about 10.30, my belly's like, I really need that Pop-Tart didn't last long enough. Anybody with me? It, did, it didn't work. So, you know, this Pop-Tart's wearing off right now. I can feel my belly already. I don't know what we're going to eat, but it's going to be good, right? Yes. Woo! She's like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to eat or not. She will eat, I assure you. Cook up the pizza, right? Who likes to eat? So Jesus fed these people natural food. This little boy come up, and, and the little boy come up with his uh, fish and his loaves, and the disciples took them, and Jesus said, you know, he gave thanks for the bread. How many know you're to be thankful for the food you eat? We're, we're, we're to be thankful for what God does in our life. And, and as he blessed the bread and he, he blessed the fish, he, he calls those people, he told them to sit down on the, on the grass out there on the hillside, and he said, now the disciples go out and feed all these people. So the disciples went out and done as Jesus said, and as they were feeding, the, the bread began to multiply, and the fish began to multiply, and everybody had, had their fill, the Bible said. They were all full. Have you ever been full? I've been full multiple times. Most of the time, whenever I go out to eat, my, my, uh, my order at the beginning of the meal, usually I order more than what I can eat. Is anybody guilty of that? I usually end up taking home stuff. I go to the Mexican restaurant, and I sit there, and they bring out those chips. And that salsa, and you know, everybody's, mm, I'm hearing it right now. So you get this, and you set it down, and you start, you start eating chips, and then they come out and let you order a few minutes later. And I've already had like five pounds of chips by the time I even order. But I'm not full yet because it takes 20 minutes for the signal to get from your belly to your brain anyway. So the first 20 minutes you're eating, your brain don't even know it yet. Has anybody ever had that to happen? That you just eat that whole first 20 minutes, and then you eat even more like, man, I need to eat it because I ordered it. And you try to eat it, and then by the time you walk out, your ribs hurt. That's what happens to me. Leslie says I'm crazy. But I think I eat so much sometimes that my belly just like expands on the inside, and it pushes against my ribs, and my ribs start hurting. I eat way too much, especially when I go to the river. Anybody ever been to the river? You go to the river, and they get that big steak, and, and, man, it's so good that you even eat the fat off that steak. That's pretty good steak whenever you eat the fat, ain't it? That's, that's good stuff right there. It's just amazing. Their, their steak is amazing. Uh, they call it the river because of the ribs, but I can't get nothing but the steak. Sometimes I get chicken if I, if I feel real, uh, really wanting that. So this uh, Jesus fed them naturally. Naturally. Look to your neighbor and say, Jesus cares that you have enough to eat. 
He really does. He, he cares for you. He cares that you have enough to eat. And it's amazing to me that, that in the world that we live in, our, our society that we live in, we, are, uh, we have more food than we need. There's no doubt we have more food than we need. It's, it's amazing to me the amount of food that we consume. And if you go out and look in dumpsters, you would be even more amazed at the amount of food that is thrown away. And I'm not playing on our emotions here today. I'm just saying we live in a land of plenty. Not many people believe it, so maybe I just need to move on. Or uh, I, Really, I believe we live in a land of plenty, <laughs> abundance, too much, overflowing. Jesus has blessed America, and we say God blessed America in a way, and I believe he does. He blesses America. We've got plenty to eat around. And this materialism mindset comes on us because whenever you have plenty, you forget the spirit, spiritual. When you have plenty of the natural, you forget desiring the spiritual. And sometimes God has got to humble us so that we know what it is to be hungry again. Because until we've hungered in our natural body, I don't know sometimes that our spirit man just gets over flooded with so much food, Ernie. And so much that we just take it in and eventually we just, our bellies are so full and our spirit man is so full that we just let it just roll off because we're in the land of plenty. And it's a sad state to get in when our spirit man don't ever know a hunger or a thirst. And as I'm talking about this, Jesus was talking to these people here in John chapter 6. He had fed 5,000 people with this fish and with this bread. They knew that their natural man was full. And as Jesus was trying to point them to a picture, if I can feed you that much naturally, how much more can I feed you spiritually? You see, because they were living in a land that was, that was dying spiritually. They, they was uh, created in Israel, there, this, this hunger, there was a thirst there. But, but they knew that their spirit man needed something else, that they couldn't go on what they had always been having. They needed more. And at Bethesda, I want us to see that there's a whole lot more to God than what we have right now. There's a whole lot more to God than what we have right now. He is so much bigger than what our dreams are or our imaginations are, and He wants to do so much more. So if we have a hunger or a thirst after God, Matthew chapter 5, that Jesus is teaching on the mountain, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. How hungry are we spiritually? How long has it been since we desired God to speak to us? That he would impart in us a, a movement that changes how we act. That he, he would create in us a clean heart that we would be renewed, that our strength would be renewed. How long has it been since you hungered or thirsted after God's righteousness? And as I ask this, I'm asking for myself as well because I want more of God. There's a song Leslie sings, I need more of you, God, or whatever it is, I want more of you, God, something like that. That song, that needs to be our anthem as a church that we desire more of God. I, I want more of God. And, and as Dusty's saying, you know, the reason we do blogs and the reason people at Bethesda, that, I, that it was a young girl come to us and she said, I can't, I'm afraid to talk in front of people, but I can write an article or I can write a, a little blog that we can put on the website. What do you think, Pastor? I'm like, Amen. 
You got a gifting? Use it, please, for the kingdom of God. Please use your gifting for the kingdom of God. How many wants to see people flourish in their giftings? That's what the church is for. And it's my job to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. How many, I just want to see a raise of hand. How many's ever read the blog? Any of the blogs? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The blog on the website where they write a little article about the sermon. It's on, sometimes they post it to Facebook too, where that it comes up, that you can link it. Yeah. So about half. I'd like to see us get to 100%. At least where we looked at that blog because that young lady puts a lot of time and effort into doing that. I think 50% is really good for just now starting it. That's really, really good. Because if I could get 50% of them in the, room, in the room right now to listen to what I'm saying, that God wants to do something in your life, if only 50%, we, we would be blessed as a church. Usually I got about 20% of you's attention. I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just telling you the truth. I've seen sleeping. I've seen drool dripping. I've seen eyes glazed over. I've, I've seen it all. I'm up here looking. I know, I know what you're. I know what the shape you're in. I, and I've been there myself. I'm not saying it mean. I've sat on the pew before, and I remember when we went to Rayson Church, and Pastor Wells would have studied all week and put his whole heart into the message, and I would be sitting there because I'd stayed up too late the night before. Maybe I didn't get enough rest. Maybe I was tired that week, and I would sit there, and I would go home, and I'd be, what did he say? We're all guilty of it. Look at your neighbor and say, you're guilty. <laughs> don't, be lo- don't be acting like you're all holy and you, you pay attention every week and you know every word that was said and you, you're really in tune with what's going on in the spirit realm and you're, you're really zoning in. You're zoning out. Amen. So this, as a church, I want us to see that we've got to be in tune if we want fed. If God sets us out a big feast table every week here and he's got all these main courses and these dishes and these desserts and and just the best drinks and everything you can have that you would desire on our spiritual table every week sitting right in front of the church, but if we sit on the back row and sit there snoring, it's not God's fault that there was no food. It's our fault if we don't eat. I believe Jesus is enough. I believe he supplies us with everything our hearts desire. I believe that he has enough to go around. I don't believe that if if everybody here would partake of what's happening in the spirit realm right now, if everybody here would just take as much as you could take, there would be more left over of Jesus than what we could consume. He's got enough to go around. So as Jesus is telling these people, they come to him the next day and they're like, well, what happened? Because you know the rest of the story. He gets in the boat and travels across and the disciples are out there and about to drown and Jesus goes out there and gets them. Ain't it just like him to always protect you? Even when you don't think he's around? Jesus told the disciples, go on across. I'll be over later. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Ain't that what he said? So here they're out here in the middle of the ocean, several miles out. Can't see the seashore anymore. And, and you know, all this uh, big storm blows in. They can't see what's going on and what's happening. All they know is Jesus was over there somewhere. He's not with us. 
And the moment that the enemy gets us to think that Jesus is not with us is the moment we get ourselves in trouble. He said, I'll never leave you. He's always going to be with you. Even to the end of the age, I'll always be with you. That's good enough for me. Do we believe that or do we not? But you see, in the midst of the storm, it's easy for us to get our eye off of what Jesus is telling us and start thinking through these thoughts of ration and our human nature taking over to where we think we can think our way out of a problem when really when we start thinking is when we start messing up. Maybe nobody's in here in any kind of situation. Maybe you've got the perfect job and, and the perfect wife and the, and the perfect life and everything's just, just awesome and it's just blessed and your home is just, it's just running over. You've got too much money. Your bank account's full and you, you've been trying to give money away and you can't give it away fast enough. And, and you know, you got, everything is perfect in your world. Maybe, it's just, maybe that's just the way it is in this room. I don't know. Maybe there's nobody here with any trouble. <laughs> Maybe there's nobody here with any heartache or any trial. I believe that there's some people in the room that's been having to uh, try to get through and look at their checkbook and say, wow, how's that going to work out? I owe, I owe 1500 and I got 300 How's this, how's this going to work? I, and start worrying and start praying and say, Jesus, I don't know how this is going to work, but I need you to come through. Is there anybody in the room like that? Jesus, I need you to come through. And by the time you get through worrying about it and sweating about it and thinking about it, when you start praying, then all of a sudden your 300 becomes 1500 and you pay your bills. Has there anybody ever had that to happen to you? Where that you thought there was no way out. It don't seem like it's going to be able to be fixed this time. This is the end of the road. But then Jesus shows up. That's the way the disciples was in this boat. They seemed like they, they'd seen this great big miracle. And I love this sermon I heard one time of a preacher preaching about this miracle that as these people was in this boat, his disciples, think about this. He was in this boat, all 12 of them. Jesus had just fed them earlier that day with a miracle. Their bellies hadn't digested the miracle yet. And they're in that boat worrying because of the storm. Think about that now. They're worrying about the storm of right now when a miracle hasn't digested from the last miracle yet. How often is it like that for us? That Jesus bails us out one minute and just a few hours later we're right back to worrying again. We're trying to figure it out once again. And Jesus is sitting up there saying, didn't I just provide a miracle? Didn't, don't you see what I just did? Why can't you go off of that and change your actions and say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. Fret not, worry not. <laughs> Read through the Bible, fear not. <laughs> the disciples are afraid in the boat. There's all these, these uh, human nature of ours takes over where it causes us to have all these uh, uh, thought processes and characteristics about us that Jesus is trying to tell us. In the spirit realm, it's not that way. He's saying, I have already won. I've overcome the world. I've overcome it all. Jesus has the power over death, hell, and the grave. He, 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 he done defeated every bit of it. At the cross of Calvary, everything changed. And why do we continue to worry and fret and be afraid? He's asking us here today, don't worry about today or tomorrow. I just blessed you yesterday. I just blessed you the day before. This past week, he's been a blessing in your life. He's protected you so many more times than you'll give him credit for. I, you know, it's just amazing to me, and I'm guilty myself. 
But Jesus is asking today, do you trust me? That's what he wants to know. Do you trust me? Rest these verses. Last week, that next one, 32. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he has offered you the true bread from heaven. Jesus speaking about himself. Next verse. 47. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Anyone. Anybody who believes has eternal life. Do you believe today? Do you trust today? Verse 53. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. See this, all this, I tell you the truth. Jesus ain't saying I'm going to lie to you and try to make you feel better right now. He said, I'm telling you the truth. The truth is. So Jesus said again, tell you the truth. Unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. This is the one that stuck the disciples. So he's there and he's talking to all these thousands of people that's come around questioning Jesus about why he left and all this. Why'd you leave our town? Why'd you go to the next town? Why'd you do this? I don't understand you, Jesus. You do things I don't understand. You don't act like, you don't, you don't do the things I want you to do, Jesus. I, I need you to come through, you know. It's called the selfishness of the church. When's the last time you just praised Jesus? That's the big question. When, when was the last time you was listening to Caleb and going down the road and, and Jesus showed up in, in the midst of the automobile and the Holy Spirit was there and you began to praise your way through something? It wasn't, where, it was the, it wasn't the shopping list where you said, Jesus, I need this or I need that. You know, kind of like Nat Nat these past couple of weeks. She knew her birthday was coming up. Nat Nat, she had her birthday party yesterday down there. It was awesome. I didn't get to skate because I'm afraid of breaking bones. But skating party was pretty cool. And she was skating around through there. But she told us the last couple of weeks, I'll be like, what do you want? I'll get you some kind of toy or something. No, I want money. She told everybody, I want money. Ten-year-old kid, she's got to figure it out, don't she? Because if you buy her stuff, it might be something she don't want. But if you give her money, she'll take it and go buy stuff she does want. She's got a pretty good plan, right? I want money. And she got money yesterday. Everybody's there. I think she had like two gifts and bags, and every bit of the rest of it was cards that had money in it. What would she say, 300 and some dollars? 300-some bucks for a 10-year-old. Come on. Has anybody in the room got that much whenever you use a 10-year-old for your birthday party? There ain't no way. I wouldn't have got $20. Bible says you have not. Come on, somebody. Come on, Chris. You have not because you ask not. Ask and you shall receive. If you ask not, uh, not amiss, you know that you don't ask for the wrong reason. And that, that was pretty persistent about it. You know what? If I want money, you know what I'm going to ask for? She didn't say, give me a big teddy bear. Give me a big, uh, big old giraffe. Give me one of them. Give me a big one that won't even fit in the bag. You know, something so big that his neck sticks out. She didn't say, she said, I want money. What you get? Money. <laughs> a lot of us do that. We do that to Jesus. We ask. We ask. And we ask. And we ask. And he is a generous God. He's very generous. I believe he gives when we ask. He's came through for me multiple times in my life. Multiple times in my life that I've seen God do things. But I guarantee you this, even as your pastor, I'll be honest with you today. 
And I, I, I'm going to be ashamed when I get to heaven and God shows me. Here's a list of things you asked for. Here's the things you prayed for. It's going to be embarrassing. Because we're all guilty of asking a lot more than we prayed. So I think Jesus is trying to tell them in this story that we're reading about today. When Jesus said, you know, why, you, you've got to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Think about somebody saying that. Think about me saying that. Just get my knife out and maybe cut off a little part of my cuticle there and say, here, here for you. Maybe you'll remember me if you take a bite of me. Sometimes I feel like everybody's chewing on me. I don't know if they're taking a bite or not. It feels like they're chewing on me all the time. Jesus said that. So you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, then you'll have no part of me. Don't you never say that's weird? That's pretty weird, ain't it? I'm not too much into the blood drinking stuff. That reminds me more of the, the cultish thing, right? I, I'm not going to be doing that. It don't, it don't make any sense to me. But see, Jesus says these things so that it gets us to thinking God's ways are higher than our ways. But if we try to figure it out with our, our fleshly mind, we won't understand it. Jesus was predicting his death. What he was saying was, you will have no spiritual life in you until my flesh is taken from you. His earthly body had to be bruised, beaten, battered, and basically destroyed so that you could have spiritual life. Jesus is predicting that, and he's, he's saying, you know, until you drink of my blood, and, and it's the new covenant. And as we read in the New Testament today, we, where Paul talks about that there's a new covenant. It's a, a new thing that Jesus is doing. It ain't like it was before Jesus. Everything changed with Jesus. So he's saying that there's a new covenant coming, and until you partake of that new covenant, you will not know or understand what I'm talking about in eternal life. You see, most of the people that lived then, they didn't know of a heaven that we know about. They didn't understand the things that we think about. They thought you went to rest. Go back and read through the whole Old Testament. I'm not telling the truth, Ernie, that they would talk about the eternal rest, that, uh, the resting place. As I go with my fathers, they would say. And they, they was all worried about where they was going to rest. See, in our little culture that we live in today, everybody wants to go to heaven. If you ask most people out on the street, most of them say, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Most of them don't believe in hell, but they want to go to heaven. I don't understand that. It's one or the other, right? So Jesus is telling them there's this new covenant. We, we, they didn't understand this. Jesus was talking about eternal life to a bunch of people that thought about eternal rest. It's even hard for us to imagine, even with all the words of Jesus, that there's going to be life in heaven. It ain't going to be us floating around on a bunch of clouds with a little halo around our head and wings on our back. It's not going to be like that. The Bible says you'll know it as you're known. You'll be known as you're known. I can't wait till I get to heaven and Earl's driving a Ford and I'm driving a Chevy and I get to beat him on a racetrack. I don't know. That's just, it says we know as we're known, right? Oh, like cars. Maybe there'll be cars in heaven. I don't know. There's going to be animals in heaven. That's for sure. Lions laying down with a lamb. There's all kinds of stuff about heaven. It's going to be life. 
in heaven. It ain't going to be boring. It's, it's hard to keep people's imagination flowing for any time at all. If you don't believe me, try it. People get bored pretty fast. Maybe I'll say it again. People get bored pretty fast. Everybody in this room, I can tell you three phases that you went through. In, in <laughs> only one thing, I know one person here that's just, they're consumed by something that just hit my mind. And I'm thinking, maybe they'll get bored with it someday, but I doubt it. It's Brittany. We're sitting up at the ball game the other night, and she's like, I would love to be down there cheering right now. I was like, not me. <laughs> I'm not going to be a cheerleader. She's like, I'd love to have bows in my hair. And so, Mama, she makes you proud. You had all them years and all those that you put into making sure she went to cheer and all that stuff. She's just consumed by it, loves it. But most people get bored with stuff pretty fast. So, you know, it'll go through all kinds of phases. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's phases. You get... Uh, you know, people, I want to coon hunt this week, and next week I'll be doing something else. I'll be drag racing, then I'll be doing this, and then I'll be doing It's just like stuff gets old. The new wears off. When the new wears off, it becomes boring. God don't want our spiritual life to do that. It's a decision that we make, and it's a decision we make every day. Am I going to be hungry for God today, or am I not? Am I going to let the newness of my Christianity wear off, or am I going to decide today, I want more of you, God. I want more of you. The last song she sang was, I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. What am I saying? Your Christianity shouldn't be something that you just let wane and wear off and say, okay, it's not new anymore. It's not as exciting as it used to be. Maybe it's not as exciting as it used to be because you're not paying attention to it as much as you used to. It ain't God's fault. <laughs> it's not his fault that we're not as hungry as we once was for the things of God. When I first got saved, I remember sitting for studying for hours and hours, and I had ten different versions of the Bible out and comparing one to the other and searching through the scriptures and I remember hungering and thirsting for the word of God I don't do that as much as I once did why? because it's my fault not God's fault he put in me a heart of compassion to, and, and uh, an eagerness to know what the word of God says and there's often times in my life that there will be a situation that happens in my, in my life that I'm living here and I think well what's God's word say about that? And I go try to find me a scripture to live out what God's word says about the situation that I'm in. Have you ever done that? Have you ever seen where that God's word can fix the problem in your life? It's the answer to our problems. And Jesus is saying here to these people, you know what? You still got blessed from yesterday and you're worried about this and that. But until you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you're not going to have eternal life. I'm going to put in you something that is a desire for the rest of your life. And whether you feed that desire and whether you allow that desire to, to continue to hunger is your decision. He gives us miracles every day. Whether we pay attention or not is our own fault. It's our decision. 
I believe like the free will Baptists believe, that God gives us a free will to decide our life. I don't believe God is up there and he, he creates a little ant pile and brush them off and burn them up and then create a new ant pile. He, he, I don't believe he makes robots. I believe he created us and he said, I'm going to do something different with humans than I did with animals. I'm going to give them free will. I'm going to give them a choice to make decisions in their life. And even though we make a decision to come to Jesus, there's still multiple decisions we need to make throughout the remainder of our life. And that's what I'm talking to you about today. It's not the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. It's the decision to say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life in a way that I'm going to follow you every day in everything I do. I have decided follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. this area in this point of your life are you desiring natural food more than you are spiritual food my belly is hungry right now I've talked about food so much during this sermon I'm hungry right now I'm telling you I'm ready I, I, I would even think Subway sounds good right now that's how bad I'm hungry I am right now if Subway sounds good there's something wrong right there's just something wrong with it that ain't even right hungry my natural body is hungry but this sermon series has been doing something to me spiritually I've prayed more on the way to work during this series than I have in, in recent past I'm telling you I've been expecting God to do things in our church and I, I thank God that our youth group is having those Tuesday night youth meetings where they're experiencing God in a greater level than they ever have during this sermon series, I've seen things happen during the altar calls and people raising their hands that I would have never dreamed would raise their hands. You know why? Because when we pray and ask God to change us and rearrange us and mold us, we will receive that change. He gives us the desires of our heart. And as pastor, I'm telling you that my spirit man is hungering for the things of God. I'm desiring the things of God. I'm desiring his plan and will for my life. I'm expecting him to move in areas of my life that before I gave up on. Has anybody in this room got a dream besides me? Seems like the past few years as Bethesda, we've just been sitting lollybied and, you know, just leaning back and, and waiting on God to do something if he wanted to. And we ain't been expecting or asking or calling out and saying, God, I worship you and, and it's it, you're powerful and you can do things in our community and you can change people around us and you can change people in our community that's hurting. Until the church gets hungry, we won't see the revival that I believe God wants to give to us. And we can't blame him and say, God, why ain't you give us revival? He's saying, have you been hungry? Is your spirit man desiring me on Monday or even on Sunday? Have you been desiring me? He's asking us this today. And Jesus is saying, I can give you eternal life. Maybe we're like the Old Testament people that we're just wanting eternal rest. When Jesus is saying, I'll give you eternal life. And I love sleeping. I really do. Anybody else love sleeping? I'm telling you, I can saw logs. Seems like forever. I, yesterday, I think I took two different naps yesterday. 
that's a pretty good day, ain't it, when you get to take two different naps? That's, that's the best days of my life, you know, you get to take two naps. Worst thing was, I'm still tired. After the party went home, birthday party went home, I went to sleep, and Leslie's out there beating bang on her car, and I wake up, and she's out in the garage thrashing around. I'm like, I'm trying to sleep. Can't you just quit for a minute? I slept from, I don't know what time it was. What was it, 8 o'clock probably, 8.30, 9.30? Well, that's pretty early for me. I usually go to bed at 11 or 12. 7.30 this morning, I woke up. That's too much sleep. more you sleep, the more you want to sleep. Can anybody say amen? If our physical body's like that, guess what our spiritual body's like? The more you sleep, the more you want to sleep. The only way to change that is to change the things you do. If last night we were sitting there and Leslie made me stop by Save-A-Lot so she could buy $94 worth of food, she come out and she's like, I've never bought that much food for $94. She was just all excited about it. I was like, as long as you got me Pop-Tarts and I got some pop and my coffee, I'll be good. It's all good. And she had all three. It's amazing. I was sitting there and I was looking through the window and it's busy, man. There's people around there. It's like busy as bees. Everybody, it was new. I went and sat in Food Lane parking lot before, and there won't be two cars pull in the whole time we're sitting there. And last night, I'm telling you, there was 30 or 40 cars went through there while I was sitting waiting on her. And I saw little sister back here, and she's in there, and she's running stuff across the register, and just, it was busy. It was just busy. I was like, thank God, something new in our community. What's the name of our sermon series? Thank God there's something new in our community. Come on, buddy. Come on. Can I have that? Can I have it? Can I have it? You want it back? There you go. Good job. So there's something new. And when it's something new, everybody wants involved. It's like, oh, this is new. New. Can't do it again. You won't give it up. I'll bet you that. <laughs> For a long time. But the newness will wear off. And what's people going to do a year from now, two years from now? I'd say you could go there on 9.30 on a Saturday night, and there'll be a few cars there. I'm praying it goes really busy. I want, I want people to shop locally. Maybe I need to say that again. I want people to shop locally. Still half-hearted response. I want people to shop locally. I believe it's I believe it's important to sh to uh, aid your own community. I thank God. I, everybody says you know buy American. That's my dad. He he won't he don't want a Christmas present that ain't from America. He just looks at stickers. First thing he does, you can give him the best present in the world. He look, where's the sticker? Made in America. I don't want. If it ain't made in America, you don't want it. He really believes that because it 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 helps our system, our way of life. I believe we ought to shop locally. I believe when there's people trying to start a new business, we ought to be the first ones in line as a church saying, hey, we'll support you. We'll be in. We'll help aid you, right? It's life. It's life to a community. 
but there'll be no choice in this house. You'll see what kind of life we're going to enter into. Amazing thing here is Jesus wants to give us eternal life and our spirit man to remain hungry. So I want us to receive communion this morning, if we will. Earl, won't you come? guys will just serve everybody in the crowd and we'll just hold on to it and, and we'll all do this together. You see, Jesus was talking about this in John chapter 6, but it was multiple chapters later before they ever received the first communion. Even his disciples were questioning and challenging what Jesus was talking about when he said, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. They, they were confused themselves. And there's some things that we're confused about in our life, and we don't understand yet. But I'm telling you, Jesus is going to make it all make sense. There's been hurt. There's been struggles. There's been some pain. There's been some disappointments in your life, and maybe some dreams that Jesus has given you that you've gave up on. But I'm telling you, in the end, God will make it all make sense. And this thing called communion that we do, it's something that, as, as we partake of these, uh, the cup and, and the bread, as we do this, and it's symbolic of a, of a relationship we're in with Jesus. And it's where we're saying, God, help me. These sacraments, God, help me to always remind myself of you. That my memory will always stay alert to the things going on in my life, that you're real, that I have eternal life. It's a symbol of eternal life. This is something that the church has done for 2,000 years. There's been a constant in the church. And the thing about this is that it's constant over all denominations. It's constant over all uh, doctrines. I don't know of any church of Jesus Christ that don't. do this one thing right here that they united in the body of Christ so as we partake of these things today understand that God is happy when his church is united he desires his Christian believers to not argue and fight and, and bicker and complain and he wants us to be united. The place in the Old Testament says how good and pleasant it is when, when brethren dwell together in unity. But there's a unity that happens. So I pray here today as, 
we partake of these things that it will unite us as Bethesda. That we will discard our differences and maybe our different thoughts about different things. And it will unite us as a body. So Ernie, won't you please stand and, and pray over the bread as it represents the body of Christ. back around and take all the cups to people from coming sitting all over the place. Becky, won't you come and play? I want you to all stand and after you get them all given back to us, if you'll play that last song you did one more time. As she plays and sings this, I want you to make it a prayer. That it will be your prayer.
drawing on our hearts so hardly. And my prayer for us today is that we will let go of the world and we'll grab hold of our Father. That there will be no turning back. That we will chase harder than we ever have before. Father, I thank you today God, that you're drawing our hearts closer to you. 
And Lord, that you're creating in us a place, Lord. That you're creating in our hearts a place that we are desiring you. So God, I ask for every person in this place today. God, as you meet with them this week, Lord, as they go throughout their lives. Lord, that you would just... Let them sense the urgency of the moments of this time, God. Lord, that the world is changing. And Lord, that as they create this place for you in their heart, and Lord, they begin to desire you more. Lord, that you would fill their every need. And Lord, that their spirit man would become so strong. Lord, that the storms of this life would not bother them. It would not hinder them nor set them back. But, Lord, that they would know that you're with them in all things. In Jesus' name.